This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hi, my name is Brian Hall, and welcome to another episode of the Theology Gaming Sessions. I'm here today with special guest, owner, and proprietor of TheologyGaming.com, Zachary Oliver. Welcome, Zachary. Hi. Today's jam session <laughs> is entitled... Really awesome. Yes. Yes, that was... Wow. Yeah, go Zachary. Uh, today's jam session is entitled Indie Games, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And if you know Zachary or I, you know that this is actually kind of a weird topic for both of us, as we kind of have a love-hate relationship with uh, indie games. So, uh, in order to set the tempo for this evening, or for our session today, I thought we could start by talking about what comes to mind when you hear the word indie game. What do you think, Zach? The first thing that comes to mind when I hear the word indie game is the word independent. Because the word independent means what people don't think it means, which is that a single person would have to make something, irrespective of any other involvement with, you know, a video game or whatever, right? But the problem is with a lot of indie games is that they're also based on programming languages that were developed by other people, or that things that were designed by other people, or like a game maker, or RPG maker, or something like that. So in that sense, they're never truly independent, quote-unquote. They're just things. They're just games that don't look as good, or have unique concepts from games that are usually made by major publishers or major developers. That's what I mean by independent. (laughs) So independent. So you just said that independent games are graphically inferior to, say, a game made by a bigger publisher. Well, often they need to use a more artistic, quote unquote, aesthetic in order to uh, mask the fact that they aren't very good at making something else, right? Or I mean, in most cases, they're going to say, "Well, I did this for artistic reasons." But if you had unlimited money and a limited budget, you wouldn't have done it that way. That's true. No, that, that is true. See, when I think of the word indie game, it reminds me of the uh, movie studio system and how it was originally founded kind of back in the golden age of Hollywood. And you had the major studios, and the major studios held everything, and they were in control of everything. And so there was nothing that was distributed, or in this case, it would be published without their consent. And so eventually, the studio system broke down, and you ended up having uh, individual or independent Uh, filmmakers making their own films. Now, they still had to use, in some cases, the regular distribution channels, but they were independent, and so they were free. And so when I hear the word indie game, I think of freedom. (laughs) Well, you could be free and have lots of money. What if you were independently wealthy, for example, and then you were like, I'm going to go make a game. I mean, Jonathan Blow is basically that now. After he made Braid and made his millions, he can do whatever he wants. The only reason why The Witness is on PS4 is because it's a a timed publishing deal for like six months, and then The Witness will be on everything. So technically, that's really independent. (laughs) So you're saying that independent games give birth to independence? In some cases. In some cases. I think in that case, for sure. And probably in the case of Phil Fish, but no longer, because Phil Fish doesn't make games, as we all know. He just kind of exploded. (laughs) What do you mean exploded? In a childish manner after he ran it on the internet just for a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. So indie games, they're special, unique, independent. But not necessarily good. Oh, man. Oh, man, you went there. There are a lot of independent games. It doesn't mean any of them are good. 
No, I that's true. They don't deserve special status just because they have limited budgets or anything. They need to actually be a functional working game that is fun to play with something unique to offer. And it can't just be like a derivative mixture of mechanics or just some sort of aesthetic overlay in which we go, oh, it looks pretty, but... And then there, where's the game underneath? So, the, but I think the bigger problem with indie games is that they're mostly coasting on this retro aesthetic. So they kind of appeal to your nostalgia for 2D side-scrollers or, you know, whatever other genres people really liked. And then they don't really improve on them. They just sort of insert some guy's visual style, some guy or gal, and then they go on from there. And then that's really where I get kind of mad at indie games for not being really that great. (laughs) That's fair. When you think of indie games, you think of, I think you and I think of a very specific type of game. Games like Braid, games like Journey. Yeah. More more bigger games. But independent games are also Flash-based games, if you think about it. Yeah, that's fair. Do you, you think that's fair? I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, games that are on, like, Newgrounds or even Armor games. Gem Quest, I think, was one of them that I really liked for a while. Those are independent games. I mean, because they're made by, usually they're made by one or two people. Yeah, they would fit into that. Just interesting. I, I never thought of the scope, you know, that indie games actually encompass. I think of all the games that get the big press, the lesbian-centric games like uh, Gone Home. <laughs> That's or, the first thing you jump to. In a way, you know, I, it's independent. It's art. See, you know, it's... <laughs> It makes the topic matter okay for some reason. But it, why is it when it's you say indie game, right? The first thing I think of is indie games are art. Or some guy going, this is art, right? Like it's this magical subset of games that are very artistic and tell you the meaning of life. When it's like this huge, huge market that nobody even can tell the scope of yet. Because for one, people, you know, indie games from Japan barely exist here at all. And then... Basically, they're ignored. Can, can you name an independent game that I would recognize from Japan? No. No. Because they're what? not, well, they're not well-known here. So, first of all, that's a big problem. And then second, the problem with is Japanese distribution is that, you know, they don't like digital distribution. So they're wary of things like Steam and uh, Desura and those sort of things. So what happens is that a lot of these games get found at various cons in Japan, and then they're people will upload them to forums, and then that's how you find out about these games. And then there's people like Rockin' Android, New Media, and other such companies that localize them for a Western audience. And that's been helpful in getting indie games a little wider than just this pretentious art thing. (laughs) But we're getting there. It's going to take a while. And this is kind of a side tangent, but I guess Japanese indie games that I can think of, they'd all be on the 3DS, and they were a part of that, was it Level 5? Uh, they released the Starship. Damn Ray was one of them. Friday Night Monsters, I think, was another. I could be totally off, but those, those are indie games that come to my mind. Level 5 is an indie company, I guess. Huh. Attack of the Friday Night Monsters, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, it's really difficult to identify, like, an, is indie games a, a company or is it just a single person? Because if you're talking, like, Journey or something, it's made by, like, 100 people, including scoring and, hum, you know, a giant orchestra to make the music. And then all the people who are involved in actually making the game, which is quote-unquote three. <laughs> I don't but, even know if that's true or not. But Journey was a spiritual uh, experience, Zachary. <laughs> to some people it is. Uh, for me, not so much. <laughs> let's talk about Journey for a minute. Oh, let's, let's, just, let's just go at it. What do you think Journey, of Journey? Journey was gorgeous. The game looked amazing. I wanted to like Journey so much. 
And then and then I played it, and I, I kept playing it, and I'm thinking, what in the heck's going on? And it was still pretty. You had the flying carpet monster things that were pretty. The whole game is just it's gorgeous looking. I can't go off enough about that. But in the end, from the beginning, I could tell that it was about, there was the circle of life with that comet coming down and hitting. And, and I just thought, okay, I'm going to trek all the way up to this mountain, and I'm going to freaking die. <laughs> and then after that, I'm just going to, it's just going to start over again. And when it started over, I did not see that as beautiful. I saw that as the biggest waste of my time. <laughs> who, who would do that? Who would lead you on this quest? I mean, God doesn't even do that. You know, I mean, it just, it feels like a vicious cycle and you keep doing it over and over and over. And I guess you keep meeting people along the way, but can you tell me of any other redemptive value to that game? Longer scarves? And, and is it a game? Is it an experience? What is it? It's a thing that you manipulate with the controller and stuff happens on the screen, but there's no actual consequence to anything you do. So that's part of my problem with Journey in, a, in indie games in general. I always feel like they're lacking consequence. I well, guess Braid, right? Braid lacks consequence. I mean, you can do the puzzles over and over again. That's true. You can just rewind time infinitely. There's not like a meter or something that limits how much time you can rewind. You could basically rewind the whole game, I think. But it's really beautiful looking, though. And the music's phenomenal, even when you're rewinding. It's a, that game's a pleasure to look at. I, I think it is. Yeah, but, but are but, the developers solely responsible for the music design or the aesthetics? No. That's yeah. the orchestra that they hired. And it's not the people who made the game. It's just all these other people they hired to make the other parts of the game. Most yeah. in those big, high-profile cases, anyway. No, and that's, that's true. I think Fez is made by two people pretty sure did you play fez uh no i think own a no. copy somewhere <laughs> some digital distribution service so, no so it's sitting around somewhere yeah i have no interest really <laughs> no that's cool so with the beat set we dive into our first layer indie games the good so question for you what indie games have impressed you since we've been negative up until this point <laughs> i've been trying to define what you indie know what? games are let's 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 take away the negative word here. We've been critical. You're critical. Critical. Let's let's be a little nicer. So, what <laughs> indie games have actually impressed you? Okay, so how are we defining independent developers first? Just just go with whatever comes to mind. Okay, so Bunny Must Die, Chelsea and the Seven Devils is developed by Plantain Dispotif, which is technically one guy who made this Metroid Castlevania-esque platformer and with it, bunnies? Well, with a bunny cat hybrid woman who wears a one piece bathing suit and runs around a colorful world destroying pumpkins and robots and other such things. Does your mother sit on the couch next to you when you play this? I mean, no, <laughs> no, this is on the PC, but it's a very highly well-developed platformer that is uh -huh. basically made around speed runs. So it's sort of like, you know, super Metroid would be or Metroid game. But this game encourages you to actually beat it in under two hours, which I am not going to do because this game frustrated the heck out of me. <laughs> but it's incredibly challenging. The game is definitely well designed. It has a flow to it that is very similar to those kind of games. And you could tell that a lot of work went into it. And it's really, it was really made by one person. The music, the graphics, the art, the design, the everything. Everything is made by one guy. So I would consider this independent. So independent. So I guess we ended up defining independent as being what? It was, it was, it, you know, it's such a, it's such a, like you said, it's such an all-encompassing term. Yes, it's nebulous. It's just so like, what did we come to the conclusion of? It, it ultimately boils down to uh, well, two people games, and... 
Okay, so as people define it now, indie games refers to a specific subset of games that aren't made by major or published by major publishers, but are made by a few individuals who are not tied to a particular corporation or company or something like that. So they haven't sold their souls to the corporate uh, Dark Lords. So like Jonathan Blow makes Braid, right? Jonathan Blow is not a company. He's just one guy. He's a man. He can contract out people to do work and the like, but he is Jonathan Blow, and Jonathan Blow made Braid. Good for him. So in terms of him making the game, I guess that would be independent. But in terms of helping other people or having other people help him, then... In that sense, it's not. But I think we can define independent indie games as made by a few people who are not in a company. Not Even though they themselves make up a company. Yeah, well, if they call themselves a company, then I think that would be kind of going over the line right there. Mm, good good thought, Zach. This How about is if deep you're getting here. a salary? You <laughs> aren't an independent developer. Okay, I can, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. So, so what was the game you were talking about? I, the title always just skips past my it's mind. It's called Bunny Must Die, Chelsea and the Seven Devils. Where do you find stuff like this? The internet. The internet. <laughs> it's a magical place. Apparently the game is seven years old. So, Really? And it's just been localized last year. Okay. So it's, pretty, it's a pretty old game. And I guess it was a cult classic, though I don't know in what circles <laughs> you would ever find it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. No, I didn't hear of it either. I got it for free. On some Facebook wall somewhere. Yeah, and Free I is good. It. I played yeah, it that's... long enough to play 13 hours worth. So 13 hours of your life. Gone. Flush down the toilet. What other game, indie games have impressed you? Anything mainstream? <laughs> I don't know. Bastion was okay, I guess. Ew. Yeah, uh-huh. It didn't impress me, but it was good. It was terrible. It's, what else? It's average to me. <laughs> uh... I can't even think of any others off the top of my head. Uh, Guacamele, have you played that? That's independent, right? But that's uh-huh. I mean, Juicebox Studios is a company, right? But 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 it but it feels like an independent game. But it was made by twenty people. So what? They're all friends. Yeah, but it's a company. A company of friends. Yeah, who make money and pay each other. What's wrong with that? <laughs> See, this is this indie game thing is frustrating me no end. Why why does it need to be a separate genre? I don't understand this. And usually what I've noticed, the games that are classified as indie games, they usually have really poor gameplay mechanics. Often they have... Blanket statement. Blanket statement. Yeah, that's blanket. I mean, some, some person would come to us and say, you guys know nothing. Braid is well-designed. I have no idea. But it's pretty. I, and maybe it is well-designed in terms of its mechanics. I don't know. Sometimes a oh. game doesn't click with you, right? No, the, the jump mechanics in that game are actually absolutely terrible. <laughs> Well, it's a puzzle platformer, see? They get out of making uh, interesting mechanical decisions of dexterity and skill by slapping puzzles inside of a platformer game. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. But, I mean, I grew up with Mario, so... I mean, you go from perfection with the jumping to Jonathan Blow and Braid. You press jump, and you jump. (laughs) Ugh. Terrible. Um, I don't like Super Meat Boy either, so I guess that... That's that's their way to make games more difficult, right? Super Meat Boy? Yeah, that's their way to make Super Mario Brothers more difficult than it is. But it's not a great game either. I've I've only looked at screenshots of the game and I've never actually played it. The problem is that it falls a massocore subgenre, which is this where basically you're supposed to go through incredibly difficult levels. That's a genre? Yeah. 
Well, really? Sub 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 genre. What? Platformers. Yeah. This is messed up. And supposedly, this is the design of the game is that they're really short levels and they're really difficult, which is basically the equivalent of saying the person couldn't design a level long enough with enough flow that you could consistently go through it. Whoa. So the level is like a minute long. Whoa. But you just no, die no, over no. and over again. That's terrible. Yeah, that's. You're just being. You're just being mean now. No, I'm not being mean. This is Super Meat Boy, in in, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I have, have not played that. Let's see, indie games that... Uh, let's see, what else? Have you played Flower? I have not played Flower. There's no Flower in your life at all? No. No. I played Flow. Isn't that the other That Game Company? Yeah, that's their other game. Yeah, I haven't that, played that. That is mostly watching a screen while a tiny organism floats around and you eat things. I played it for a half hour and shut it so it's kind of like Pac-Man, but not. It's sort of like Pac-Man without objectives or anything that would actually tie you to the game. Or skill? Are you saying without skill? I would say skill is not something that would apply to this in any way. Wow. It's more of like moving colors on a screen that you manipulate using a controller. So it's like a baby Einstein game. Almost. Almost. Except it involves plankton. Which makes it somehow scientifically correct. Yes. Whatever. You um, run around, you eat an organism, you go to the next stage. You eat more organisms, you go to the next stage. There's nothing challenging about eating the organisms. You're just eating can I, organisms. Can anything kill you? Uh, they can knock things off of you, but it's the same way as in Journey, right? They can knock off your scarf, but you can get it back eventually. You can't die or anything. That sounds really boring. Um, <laughs> so you haven't played Flower, though? No. So, so Flower, you fly around as a petal. From a flower, and you fly around and you gather more petals until you have a gigantic cloud of petals trailing back behind you in the wind. And they and they fly back behind you, and it's beautiful. And you fly around, and actually, it's probably the best use of the PS3 controller I've ever seen, hands down. Oh, amazing! Like six axis? Yeah, it's amazing oh. with the six axis. If any other flight game could have replicated it, they had it. They had the gameplay mechanics down pat. So I did like Flower. Flower actually impressed me to the point to where I finished it. Now, was there bad to it? 100% yes, but we're not there yet. I'll rag on it in a minute. Huh. So is it basically a flight simulator without any challenge? Well, no, no. There's challenge to a point because you're kind of flying around trying to pick up more flower petals. But eventually you hit the end and you collect enough flower petals. That's right. And but once you, you collect them all... Can you lose flower petals? No. What do you think? You think there's a bird that swoops down and like eats the flower petals from you? No. You have to but avoid? The, I don't even think there's any... Oh, you know what? Towards the end of the game, when they add the environmentalist aspects to it, which is where the game tanks for me, and I absolutely hate it because they're injecting politics into games and how dare anybody do that outside of Final Fantasy. Oh. Anger... Anger me, man. So towards the end, there's like electricity and there's like electric, uh, like power lines, and you can actually hit them. And I think you might be able to die or lose flower petals. There's something. There's a negative consequence to it, but <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, but it's not yeah. like playing Ace Combat or something, right? Where you have other planes trying to blow you up, and if you die, you actually die no. or have a fixed no. state. There's no missiles on the flower petals or machine guns or lasers. Or the lack of fail states like concerns me. Yeah. So do you have flower? No. No. I don't think I'm going to buy it. I'm sorry. Your your life is <laughs> I'm sure it's full of oh, mystery and wonder that I'm going to miss. 
<laughs> what what other indie games? Are there any other indie games that have impressed you? Uh, I gotta go look. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. Help me name something off. I definitely uh, played something. Have you played any? Is anything from the Bit Trip Runner series considered indie? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Bit Trip Runner uh, Two is pretty amazing. I played you, the first. It doesn't do much for me. You run and you press buttons. Yeah, well, it's like a rhythm. What do you call it? It's like playing DDR. Yeah, but not. Except with all the complexity. It's like a bad rhythm game, though. Yeah, it's a bad rhythm game, but it's a see. But if you mash two genres together, then it suddenly the, becomes the runner genre. Yeah, it becomes a great game suddenly. Side tangent. Rhythm games. Have you played the Um Jammer Lammy? I played Parappa the Rapper. Oh, no, I haven't. Enough, right? I haven't done that. That is close enough. Same. Uh, is that Yuji Naka who made that? Did he? Is that the creator of Sonic? Um, oh, I just, I just I derailed here. I don't think that's a Sega game. Masaya Matsura. I just ate it, man. Gamer, <laughs> gamer cred minus oh, five. Man. Well, I, I didn't even know that. So, huh? I, I popped it in recently. So, anyways, you're a lamb who plays a guitar. <laughs> And you rock out and you mash buttons uh, to the music, and, and it's actually an incredible game. And if you can find a copy of it, you just pop it into your PS3 and it because the PS3 plays PS1 games. Yeah. So, so I found out. I didn't know that. It's magical. Okay, this is a bizarre tangent. <laughs> yes. But bit, So Bit Trip Runner is like a less good version of Um Jammer Lammy. <laughs> um Jammer Lammy, that's right. <laughs> Which had its final level changed due to it being too demonic for the United States. Really? Go Jap. Japan. Japan, yeah. Japan. 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 So, have you looked at a list? You just want me to name more indie games, no, don't you? No, I can't even think of any off the top of my head. I know I own My- a bunch. I just Minecraft. Played. Minecraft is indie. Uh, that's not really a game. That's like people doing things. It's like playing Legos. Do you not like Legos? It's not that I don't like Legos. It's just that playing with Legos is not necessarily a game unless you create some kind of structured rules behind it. So you don't have a soul. It's not that I don't have a soul. I'm telling Do you, you not like Minecraft? Legos is fun, but is my is Legos a game in itself? Not really. Not really. Playing <laughs> something and then playing a game are two different things. That's true. So, so any other indie games that have impressed you at all? Oh, I can't even think of any. Oh, there was if they see, were mo- memorable, I would tell you. See, I can't think of anything. Every any game that's been memorable for me is either a Nintendo game or I think Dust and Elysian Tale is an indie game. That looked really boring. Uh, it's basically a Metroid game, or more of a Castlevania, you know that sort of thing. But the problem is that they have a big combo system, and you do combos and stuff, and there's literally no incentive to actually do anything with it. Because they don't reward you for doing high combos or anything. So basically every combat situation gets really boring because there's no incentive to do better. That's, that's boring. Yeah, I don't understand. And it looks great and has great music and it actually has a story. And if you like anthropomorphic animals, this is kind of your jam. But other than that, there's not really much more that's motivating me to play beyond the three hours I already played. So... Still stuck back on liking the animals. Um, oh, how about Foul Play? I played that. What is that? That's an indie game. It's basically you are a English gentleman who is also a demon hunter, and it's a side-scrolling brawler, and he runs around and he fights. And the higher combos you get, the better score you get, and that sort of thing. How could that not be a bad game? That sounds awesome. No, it is awesome. <laughs> that, that is awesome, huh? 
Yeah. And it's, I haven't heard I, of that. It's two players, I believe. Co-op. Hmm. Yeah, like and, split split screen or? No, no. Same screen. Really? Yeah. That's oh, uh, Okay. See, that's one. That's one. That's a good one. Huh. I haven't heard of that. Uh, let me think. La Mulana. There's another one. It's basically Indiana Jones Metroidvania. Any good? It's really hard. It's hard. Okay. Yeah. It's more like a... It's not as much like a Metroidvania. It's more like a adventure game, I guess is how I would say. Except it also requires precision and jumping and attacking enemies. So, But, it's, but not a roguelike. But not a roguelike, no. This okay. game is too hard to be a roguelike. Huh. Yeah. You can get lost and actually die. Like a real explorer would, I guess. Have you uh, have you played Thomas Was Alone? Oh, the one with the squares and the, yes. the shapes have the shapes, the shapes and the British narrator. Did you like it? Um, I got stuck actually towards the end because <laughs> I I think I kind of got fed up with it. Yeah, I did like it. I thought it was very well done huh. for what it was with blocks and shapes and it being kind of dinner theater with them. Dinner theater. <laughs> Dinner theater with the shapes. Come dinner here, shapes. Theater. What the heck? And this is Mr. Sam. Mr. Sam likes himself, and he doesn't, I don't know, and, and they just go on. And there's this whole story about a shape that, I think her name's Claire, and Claire wants to be a superhero. But she's a shape. I, it, you know what? She <laughs> wanted to be a superhero, so she was. <laughs> don't you deny Claire her, her superhero uh I don't know abilities. what that is. I, I, I'm telling you. I don't think indie games. Sometimes we smoke things. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, so I so Thomas one. was alone wasn't bad. Yeah, go ahead. I got another one. Uh, Rainblood Chronicles Mirage. What? 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 Huh? This is a Chinese independently made game. A combat style in the vein of Devil May Cry and that sort of thing. Except it's a 2D side scroll. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's really hard, obviously. But So you're like an international indie game player. Yeah, see, but I don't play indie games just from america or european countries i try to find indie games from all over the place it's all about america man no it's not all about america when it comes to games <sighs> see that's the problem that's with true. me is that it's not really culturally sensitive all this indie game talk indie games means american indie games and what appeals to american audiences which is apparently games that are not that interesting <laughs> or that are terribly depressing what game is terribly depressing? What are you thinking uh, of? Oh, come on. There was that Homeless Simulator one. Oh, Cart Life. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I haven't played that, but I have no intentions to play it. You didn't. You don't want to play as a homeless person for a little bit? Uh, no. See, but the, of course, those games always contain some kind of ideology, which you may or may not agree with. You have to basically let yourself go into that in order to experience the other or whatever kind of terminology they use nowadays okay other indie games just throwing these off a list here uh kentucky route zero never played it i haven't played that i'd like to it, i think it's like 25 bucks though it's too much for me it's also episodics and i don't think all the episodes are out so, really yeah no you know what they're not they're not out yet yeah i don't like um, that so about Cart- telltale games yeah i want to buy a big package and then not have to deal with it ever again have you played proteus at all uh, no <laughs> No, there's no. I believe it, I have a copy though. Have you played Papers, Please? Is that the one about communism? Right. Yeah, heck yeah. I'm sure it's interesting to someone, but not me. You, you're not, you're not interested in depression and history. I'm interested in depression and history when I read it in a book. Huh. Like if I'm gonna read, if I'm gonna experience totalitarianism, I'm gonna read 1984 because he can, because George Orwell can convey it a lot better than somebody can make a game about it. Obviously. I can't argue. I can't argue with that. <laughs> 1984 is probably one of my most favorite books. 
Yeah, I I don't believe video games have reached this level of literature that people seem to think they have. Except for the Final Fantasy series. Don't be dogging. <laughs> I don't even think so. I don't. I love Final Fantasy, but I'm going to tell you, it's like night and day. Your Final rest. Fantasy VII is a novel of artwork that the world has never seen before. No, it doesn't make any sense half the time. No, it really doesn't. No. <laughs> what the heck? The ending makes no sense. What is happening? I don't know. I just know I got caught up in it, and yeah, it didn't let go. Um, well, no, you, you know what? Final Fantasy VII's not. Oh, this is a tangent, but who cares? Who cares? Final Fantasy VII has an intelligible plot. The first time I played it all the way through was like I'd say a year and a half ago. Really? Well, actually, two years. So I have a pretty uh, localized view of it recently, and I found it really well written and not all that confusing if you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. Other See, than it is a good game. Yeah, other than what happens at the end. But it's not literature. It's like a great page-turning novel. Oh, it's art, man. It is art. It's more like a New York bestseller than it is Shakespeare. So you're saying it's more like Dan Brown? Yeah, I'm saying it's a really good Dan Brown novel. If Dan Brown wrote well. Or like a really good Harry Potter book. But she doesn't write well either. Well, I'm saying writing well in the sense of... It's a good book. Okay, okay, okay. Because J.K. Rowling can't write. Ah, the Harry Potters are okay, but I'm not going to say they're on the same level as other books like Moby Dick. If you read Moby Dick and then you read Harry Potter, you're going to get very different experiences. Well, that's true. Um, Have you played like C.S. Lewis? If you read Chronicles of Narnia and then you read like Harry Potter, you're going to get very different writing experience. Extremely different. Yeah. Wow. Not only in terms of what the story conveys, but also in terms of depth and in terms of language, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but video games don't seem to be compared in this way. Like, what is the highlight of the platform, right? What's the best video game? It's probably somebody's going to say an indie game of some kind, right? No, it's Tomb Raider. Just stop it. It's Tomb Raider. Wait, the new Tomb Raider? The new Tomb Raider, the best game ever. That's not independent. It features a woman, a well-rounded woman. Not not We're like that. Off not the like subject, that, Brian. No, no, I'm really not. It it features an amazing story about a woman who is tortured over and over and over again. Oh look, she's on a parachute and she's being drugged through a forest. Oh look, she just snapped her arm in half. <laughs> Stupid game. I could see have you, you have a lot of personal prejudice towards some of these games. Rawr. Uh have you played Brothers? Is that the game about the brothers? Yeah, the two brothers. Who you controlled two analog sticks? Yes, it's no, not sisters, though. I guess that's not bad. Have you played its sequel, Cousins? <laughs> I don't think it has one. No, but I think Brothers may be an actually good game. I mean, it's basically a puzzle game. You should you should check it out. Even if you just check out the demo, it it's pretty good. Yeah, well, it's made by Starbreeze, and Starbreeze made Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, that makes sense. Riddick is an amazing game. Yeah, okay, we'll agree on that. But that's not independent, unless you consider Vin Diesel made everything single-handedly by himself. It was independently about snapping people's necks. Yeah, yeah, well, Riddick is an independent character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think we've, I think we've beaten this one to the floor. It's, it's dead. Get up. Get up. Let's see. So we've talked about the good with indie games. Now let's talk about the bad. And we may have people out there saying, you've already talked about the bad. Well, guess what? We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> so I want to ask you to talk about. I had two questions. Two questions, okay? What indie games have disappointed you? I guess besides Meat Boy. Besides Gone Home, I haven't played Gone Home, so I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you that I'm not interested in whatever mm. it has to offer. Mm-hmm. 
I think yeah. environmental storytelling has been done much better in other games. Like Bioshock, for example. Or Doom 3. Doom 3? Id games. Environmental storytelling. They're amazing. Oh, you mean like Doom? Yeah. I would consider Doom independent. Oh, the original game. Yeah, or even Doom 2. I mean, it's not that far from... You know, what is it? Three people made Doom? Maybe a, maybe a few more. I've read Masters of Doom, and about I'd say about six to eight people made that game. Interesting. Independently in like an office somewhere. I was never allowed to play Doom. Yeah, I could. You could see why. <laughs> there, there was no Doom. Okay, indie games disappoint you. Are there specific elements that have led to that disappointment? Probably because I would like to play an interesting game and not so much a art piece that wants to tell me something about human experience. So you don't like being preached at, is what you're saying? Not often. But if the themes can come through in a way that's not pretentious, then I'm okay with it. Hmm. Because the problem is that it tends to be heavy-handed in its approach, and not so much like, well. Here are the options let you decide. Like, I'll cite a more current game. Call of Juarez Gunslinger has a theme of revenge and redemption running through the whole game, but it's lighthearted enough that you don't really catch on to the fact that the game wants you to think one way or the other. So you get to make some fatal decision at the end that determines the ending, but doesn't kind of mess around with you or go hey, you should think this way instead of that way, right? So the final decision is left up to the player, and I like that sort of thing. And so that's why SeaWorld shouldn't have killer whales in their uh, water parks, right? I don't think it has anything to do with killer whales. Oh, oh, wait, wait, we're not talking about documentaries. Okay, okay. But if, if the game is going to force you to make a decision, it should have something to do with the plot and not so much to do with the quote-unquote message of the game. See, and that's, and that's where I have issues. I don't like it when games get political. Such as my example earlier with Flower. Towards the end of it, it starts preaching environmentalism and how we've destroyed the environment and how we need to make everything beautiful again. But some people might see that as a theological issue. I know a lot of people who would say that's about the stewardship of the earth, as described in Genesis 1 and 2, and then that we need to preserve the environment that God gave us because humans are supposed to take care of it. So that would technically be a theological point. This is something that people do, in fact, think. So you can't necessarily dismiss it. Do you mean... I, you mean I won't deny it? stewardship. You mean it wants you to tell... It wants to tell you a message, right? It in has, a very heavy-handed way. It has an agenda. Oh, it has a, an agenda 100%. But the problem is that I haven't really encountered a game where the agenda hasn't been, like, so straightforward that I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. Actually, I can think of one. Go for the it. The Metal Gear Solid series does <laughs> have political, social, psychological implications. If you can follow them. If you can follow them, yes. But the thing is, it doesn't come across in a way that is saying, here is the absolute answer to everything, everyone else shut up. It's nuclear more, bombs are bad. Yeah, it doesn't really say nuclear bombs are bad. So bad. It more says, what do you think of the idea of the mutability of information in a digital age? Right? Which one was that? Metal Gear Solid 2. You sat through that? That's a great game. Oh, okay. I've only played the first one. <laughs> It gets well. It gets quote unquote uh, heavy handed in the second one, mm. but not so much that you actually figure it out. It is unless you're really paying attention. So, I like that. I like so that I can things. delve into the depths of the game without its being so like one faced. Mm -hmm. So, like if you go into in most indie games, you're just gonna get here is the message, right? <laughs> it's just gonna explode at you in flashing neon lights or whatever the equivalent for video games, but. There, there's not a lot of subtle <laughs> narratives in video games. And I think that's where I get off the train with the modern indie games. Because it's always like, oh, I know exactly what this is about, right? 
even if Jonathan Blow says, I don't know what Braid is about. You don't. <laughs> and even if he says that, I think you can make a pretty good assumption as to what it's about. You still don't know. <laughs> Which is about, like, regret and consequences and that sort of thing. Anyway. What? See, the those writing, are very serious topics. That's, the that's writing just... is high school level, okay? And then it's delivered in text boxes that happen before levels. I don't I like playing on a text box. How does that take advantage of being a video game to tell a story? I don't know. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. text boxes. Uh, every single Japanese RPG has uh, text boxes in them. Yeah, but he, if he wants to say that he's using video games in a unique way. Oh, that's not unique at all. Then using text boxes is not a unique way to do it. Failure. Yeah. Failure. Possible. No, it anyway, is. 100%. So the bad, the bad of indie games is that when they're political or message oriented, they tend to be heavy handed about it and not so subtle. Which is Good. most literature Some. is very subtle about what it's trying to convey. Because Isn't that what you want? Yeah. That's what I want. I want it to be subtle. I mean, there's times where it doesn't need to be and I can understand that. Hmm. But for the most part, if someone's going to tell me a story... I'd like to be able to form my own conclusions at the end, even if they are guided just a little bit by the storyteller. All right. So what's your favorite novel? Just I'm throwing that out there. Favorite novel. Like I said, 1984 is, is a favorite, but Ender's Game, Orson Scott Card. Okay. But the, the meaning of Ender's Game is not necessarily that explicit. No, no. And, and to discuss that any further, it really it destroys the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I I read the end of the book. You can spoil it. You sure? Yeah. You mean where he gets married at the end and lives happily ever after? That doesn't happen. It happened after the gigantic laser battle. When he killed the aliens that were not actually aliens? They were his friends. <laughs> it's so confusing, this book. Okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway, the themes of the book are themes, and they're not messages. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yes. Right? Through the character's actions or through the things that I do, I can divulge a message. And it may not even be the message of the author. But in most indie games, I would say, the message is really straightforward and I know exactly what they want to tell me. And that's where I find that it's not really that interesting. So you'd rather not have a cheese pizza. You'd rather have a pizza with a lot of toppings on it. In pizza metaphor terms, yes. Perfect. (laughs) I'll order one right now. (laughs) So, indie games, the good, the bad, and then finally, the ugly. Yeah, Phil Fish is a racist. <laughs> please, please explain. Okay, did you see that GDC video where they have a panel, there's Jonathan Blow is there, uh, Phil Fish is there, the two people who made um, Super Meat Boy are there, right? And so, Super Meat Boy! So, this Japanese guy comes up, right? And he asks... He asked them a question. He's like, uh, you know, Japan has made so many great games in the past, like Super Mario Brothers, this and this. He goes, how can modern Japanese games be like that? And then Phil Fish, who has displaying the utmost of social tact, says, most Japanese games just suck. And then proceeds to, they basically all proceed to berate this man about how bad Japanese games are, and they don't let the player discover their own mechanics, and... They're very heavy-handed about this and this, and they're not well-designed. And, you know, a whole bunch of criticisms about basically Japanese games. They criticized most Zelda games by saying, the first two hours, I wish I could skip them and press this button. You know, that sort of thing. For for the record, the only Zelda game I've ever felt that way about, well, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Twilight Princess. Uh, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> My parents were sitting there, and they're like, this game is so slow. What is going on? And I looked at him like, go away. 
But anyways, that's the only one I can think of. So, so you think so? The indie scene overall, the ugly. You don't like the racism that well, uh, I don't think is inherent within it by certain individuals. Well, if I wasn't, if I'm was a social justice warrior, I would call it racism. Do you have a T-shirt that says that? No. Social justice warrior. <laughs> no, but if I was, I would call it racism. But because I'm not, I just think it's kind of ignorant to just say that outright without having played the whole spectrum of Japanese games. I mean, basically, they're talking about Nintendo. You know, Nintendo has those tutorials in the beginning all the time now. And, you know, press the A button to pick up the star chip. And they tell you that over and over again in Super Mario Galaxy, right? Sometimes I need to know that. Yeah, and a lot of people, we, we mostly just put up with it because it's like... Well, what if somebody just stumbles into the game without having ever played video games before? And Nintendo's like, well, we got to help them out. So that's yeah. why they have those long tutorials. Help people. Yeah. Except, except for when the Zelda game becomes a gigantic tutorial, like uh, <laughs> Skyward Sword. Yeah. But, again, there was a new control scheme and everything, so it's somewhat justified. I guess. I guess. The sword, the spirit that was inside the sword, she's just terrible. But uh, those generalizations about Japanese games are not going to make video games in general better. No, because I so. mean, mainstream press even basically have said like games that are not from Western culture we don't like. Dragon's Crown, Killer's Dead, all the Japanese games that basically came out this year were attacked for some kind of social issue or cultural difference, and nobody liked them. Right? Mainstream press was like, "This is sexist" or whatever, right? But they were basically unwilling to see an actual game underneath and then just slap a bad score on, which is weird, right? Not when you're all about social justice and you don't understand the context or the culture from which the game came from. Yeah, and you would expect them to because, I mean, video games have been Japan for the past 20 years. So, yeah, confusing to say the least. So indie game scene overall, the ugly. What I dislike are the people who love the indie games and come off as pretentious. And they just kind of, it's its indie games. And if you don't like indie games, something's wrong with you. And I don't like that. I don't like it when it becomes snobby. And uh, what word am I looking for? Yes. Pretentious. That is, that is one word. When it becomes elitist, that's when I have a problem. Sniffing their own farts, as you said. Sniffing, sniffing, fart sniffing. Yeah. I can't handle it. It's like, it's like the South Park episode where they were buying Priuses. And yeah, I'm just going to stop there. Anyways. <laughs> a ripe bouquet. Yeah. And that's, that's what I don't like about it. I don't like it when people start acting like they're better than you because they've done something that you haven't or because they like a specific thing that you don't like. That's subculture, right? I'm happy playing my Assassin's Creed 4, jumping off the top of a ship and killing people. You know I mean? I like video, I like video games. games. Yeah, and that's and that's it. So, indie games. Is there any more we can say about them? I think we've kind of covered the gamut from things that are not even related to indie games. Die, die, die. Wait. Yeah. I, I think I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> well, this has been another exciting edition of the Theology Gaming Sessions. I'm Brian. I'm Zach. And we're gone. Later. Bye. 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 Okay. I get to say bye finally. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>